Vox Quick Hits. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Dylan Matthews, you write about giving people money at Vox. How does this American Rescue Plan compare to other recent stimuli passed by presidents in recent memory? The Biden stimulus is not quite as big as the first uh, stimulus in March 2020, sort of the the one that kicked off the coronavirus era. But it's roughly the same. It's $1.9 trillion for the Biden stimulus, a little over $2 trillion for the first Trump-McConnell stimulus. But what they spend money on is rather different. So the initial Trump stimulus was kind of oriented around giving loans to small businesses through the Paycheck Protection Program. Now remember, these are loans of up to $10 million. They are meant to be used on payroll, mortgage interest, utilities, and rent, even while the business is closed, in order to be forgiven. Larger businesses through various other programs. As far as the airlines are concerned, the airlines, we're going to uh, back the airlines 100%, not their fault. With the hope of, like, tiding them over through the COVID emergency. And it also had some provisions for individuals, the unemployment benefits, the direct checks. But a lot of it was corporate. A lot of it was really designed around uh, making sure businesses could make it through. The Biden stimulus is way more about individuals and it's way more about states. And I think the other thing is that the Biden stimulus is a true stimulus in a way that the CARES Act from last year wasn't really. The CARES Act was more of a relief plan, uh, since part of what was happening, if we can all sort of go back and remember last March, we were talking very explicitly about how we needed to shut parts of the economy down. Every day, major American companies that employ countless people are seeing their commerce crushed by their own government for the sake of public health. People had to stop going to restaurants. They had to stop doing in-person services, stop getting massages and haircuts and stop going into offices. There was a concerted effort to try to slow the economy down because some aspects of the economy were spreading this virus. And so the CARES Act acted as a kind of relief for businesses and individuals to get through that. The Biden stimulus really wants to make the economy go faster. We're handing out vaccines, we're coming out of this thing, and it's an effort to make sure people are spending aggressively as we come out of it. Part of what you're doing in trying to get the economy to recover is to put money in people's hands so they can spend it. The theory is that you get into this trap where no one believes the economy is growing so it doesn't grow. And what you need to do is give everyone the confidence that things are going to get better really, really fast. And uh, the theory is that you do that by spending really, really aggressively. And so here we have a package that's twice as big as the one passed in 2009 after the biggest financial meltdown, certainly of my lifetime. And I think a lot of that is because Biden himself and and the people staffing him look back at the 2009 stimulus and think it was way too small. President Obama put me in charge of the Recovery Act, and uh, it was hard as hell to 
get the votes for it to begin with, and then it was hard as hell to get even the number we got. But one thing we learned is, you know, we can't do too much here. We can do too little. We can do too little and sputter. But again, the end That's just dramatically is- different from how people were thinking about it in 2009 when Obama, even as he was pushing the stimulus, was saying, but then we really got to, like, get our affairs in order and cut the deficit, et cetera, et cetera. Biden's doing none of that. He's just going really, really big. So, like, Obama spent so Biden could spend. Yes, yes. Obama clipped coupons so that Biden could buy Rolexes. <laughs> What is the thinking here? What is the thinking that people will take this money and then buy stuff? Or is the thinking that people need this money to pay off all the debt they've accumulated over the past year? Or or is it both of those things and more? I think there are a few theories. And part of what's interesting about this is that it responds to a few different theories of both of this recession and what happened in the last one. So one theory of what went wrong last time um, is called a, a debt overhang theory. And so some economists have argued that after the housing crisis collapsed, you had all these people stuck with underwater mortgages, drowning in debt they couldn't get out of. And so all of their money went into trying to pay that off and get out from under that. And that meant sort of the real economy buying new stuff couldn't really get growing because there was this lingering debt problem that everyone was was grappling with. And... The Biden stimulus, if we have a similar debt overhang now, if people are in sort of rental debt to their landlords, if they're behind on their mortgages, if they're behind on their credit cards because they needed to use credit to make their way through the big expenses last year, just handing out money to them through the stimulus checks, through unemployment insurance bonuses for people who are unemployed, that all helps with debt overhang. But it also helps in a more traditional model of what's happening, which is just people are spooked. People need some indication that the government's supporting them and that it's willing to back them if they want to buy a lot. Businesses need some kind of assurance that customers are going to have money to buy their products. And so this package also responds to that theory. It puts money in the hands of consumers. It puts more money in the hands of low-income consumers than high-income consumers. So people who are most likely to spend and least likely to just pocket and save the money And it could help people if they're overly burdened with debt um, and prevent that from slowing down the recovery, too. Vox probably loves nothing more than writing about the ideas around giving people money for free. Cash politics, as some call it. Is this a sign that we might see more of it under the Biden administration? Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden's first big legislative initiative is a huge cash program. So I think this is clearly a policy that Biden is very enthusiastic about and believes in. I think it's also something that they've learned works politically. The main pushback they've gotten publicly on the $1,400 checks is not that they're sending them, it's that it's not $2,000. That's a very different political situation than when the criticism is you're spending way too much, you need to hem it in, you shouldn't be sending cash to anybody. We've suddenly gotten into this realm where the debate is not, should we do cash? It's how do we do cash and how big should we do cash? Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States of America, Barack Obama. At the signing ceremony for the Affordable Care Act, then Vice President Joe Biden famously leaned over and whispered to Barack Obama that the legislation was a big fucking deal. You think Kamala Harris is leaning over and telling Joe the same thing right now? It's a really, really huge deal. I was trying to think of the last bill as significant as this in my lifetime. 
I think it's a bigger deal than the Affordable Care Act. Really? That's it's sort of apples and oranges, but it affects more people and it gets more money to the average person. I think you you'd have to go back to the Johnson administration to find a president spending this much money on on income support, particularly to low income people. So yeah, I think it's it's a really, really huge deal. And thinking about it in comparison to Obamacare, do you think it'll take a while like Obamacare did for people to really appreciate? When Obamacare was passed, uh, it had something around 40% approval. There had been this long, brutal fight for it. And so a lot of people wound up hating it. It was the summer of the, the Tea Party protests and all, all these factors wearing it down. I've seen approval rates for this bill more in the 70% range. Mm. It's way, way, way more popular at the outset than Obamacare was. And it delivers benefits right now. Something that, in retrospect, feels bizarre about Obamacare is it got passed in 2010. No one got health insurance until 2014. And so you had this long period where you had this bill that everyone was trying to defend, and there was no one they could point to and say, hey, this is someone who benefited from this. And that doesn't mean it's not important. It's an incredibly important bill. You can read all about it on Vox.com. But I think this is a more politically durable bill because it gives big benefits right away. And partly because of that, it starts out really, really popular. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts.